0: You know, certainly there's a lot of people in religion that take sort of a holier than now attitude. I think this different approach of being fully authentic and Mm. and letting people, others be that same way can break down so many barriers.
1: Now is the time. You're invited to join us, a movement of leaders who are willing to step into a new approach to leadership across the global landscape. This is as simple as humanity being just you and I and stakeholders being the value you place on each decision to add or take away from humanity going forward. Hold a minute, stay with us. We know people like you want to play at a different scale and these conversations help create the opportunity for you to take us up a notch, or two, or a whole lot more. With a curiosity, let's dig deeper, behind the scenes to see the why, the what, the where, the who, and the when. From other smart humans who make smart decisions and innovate smart, sustainable solutions to narrow the gap from problem to solution. Learn in today's conversation how you can begin to do this. Come, join us.
2: So we're going to go straight into just a beautiful human being. Brian, you are just an amazing man doing some phenomenal things. And I just, I love your strengths of just sticking to what you believe how you your values in a world that not necessarily put it as values at the table so i just want to give you the floor and uh i'm so looking forward to to what you're going to bring to the table
0: well thanks kerry marie you you sort of gave some of my talk already uh, i'll i'll fill in the pieces you left out
2: excellent you'll do that well
0: Thank you for letting me be a part of this, and so I'm speaking to you. The background behind me is a picture of just where near where I live. I live on the east coast of the U.S. in Annapolis, Maryland, and so that's our scene. That's that's what it looks like here. It's a beautiful place. Well, I really believe this forum is extremely timely because we're really at a global tipping point. Uh, where uh, we can see the world move in a new direction. And I think that it can be moved in a direction for good. And I'm going to sort of unpack why I think that and and actions I'm taking, uh, since you said today's an action day. So I'll um, key in on some actions. So I'm gonna work sort of from the present and then go back to some past. And then I'm gonna end with the principles that guide my thinking and my work. So during COVID-19, it presented an amazing opportunity to pull together people from from the largest corporations in the United States into monthly phone calls focused on bridging divides between people. And we just had our most recent call on Tuesday, and it was uh, co-sponsored. My foundation is the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation, together with American Airlines, uh, the, the largest airline in the United States. And we had members from their employee resource groups of different faiths and beliefs each share what they were doing to respond to COVID-19 and also uh, these new race racial tensions that have flared up in the United States. They've been there, but you know we've seen some massive uprisings. And so they, here we had Fortune 500 company working with us to share from a Muslim perspective, Jewish perspectives, interfaith perspectives, Christian perspectives. And we had people from South Asia, uh, there are South Asian groups, Hindu, uh, Sikh, Jain, and uh, all coming together and saying, we're going to solve these problems together. And we're reaching out to our people uh, together. So, you know, how did that get started? I'm going to back through a little bit. We had the first ever national conference for Fortune 500 companies, employee resource groups that are based on faith or belief, come together at the Bush School of Business in Washington, D.C. in February, right before all the lockdowns started. Uh, so if you believe in miracles, that was miraculous timing, uh, that we could hold that. And people from all these different faiths I've mentioned, including people of no faith or atheist, agnostics, people from uh, secular orientations, because that's a, that's a faith and belief system as well. Uh, so they came together, and people from these different backgrounds, in quotes said, I feel like we've come home. You know, Here they've come to this Catholic campus uh, where it's not something that people normally associate with business and faith. And all of these companies, uh, just starting with the A's, American Airlines, American Express, Accenture, going all the way to the end of the alphabet, with uh, Walmart and and other big companies came together and they they were talking about how they're bringing their whole self to work, uh, faith and all. So within corporate America and and larger corporations throughout the world, uh, as many of you know, diversity and an emphasis on diversity, not just diversity, but inclusion, including all people regardless of their faith or belief is uh, an important topic as that has been an emphasis that, uh, Carrie Marie, as you drew that diagram, you know, we have the professional self and then the personal self. Well, uh, you know, if you think of ourselves as, you know, we've got a body, there's another way we have, we have a body and we have a mind, a mind, spirit or soul, you know, however you want to conceptualize that, you know, we've got our physical being, but we also have the inside of us as well. And so at work, uh, that inside of us for many people is informed by their faith or belief. And so if they're made to keep that separate from the work they do, first you're gonna have people in the closet, you know, hiding who they are. And you've seen how that's, you know, been detrimental to many people, especially with the LGBTQ movement, uh, where many people have, been closeted and there's been a lot of uh, discrimination so letting people bring whatever that part of themselves is out uh, is uh, really good for companies so so how did this conference come about well one there's a bigger history but I'll I'll just share one I I had a meeting with the Dean of the Bush School of Business uh, in Washington and in last November and just to get acquainted because they're Their motto as a business school is training virtuous business leaders. And that resonates with the, you know, for the mission of the foundation, my foundation. And uh, we just got talking and and he said, well, it's exciting what you're doing. Is there something we could do? I said, well, nobody's ever brought these Fortune 500 faith-oriented employee groups together. Could we do that? And on the moment, uh, you know, without any hesitation, he said, let's do it and then the next day he took it to the university president and within a couple of days we were doing it and part of that ability to act so quickly was because they believed this was a god thing you know that this was something that was the right thing to do it was not just something that was a good idea uh, but there was a sense that this was an idea that came that was inspired truly inspired from god so Uh, And I I know, I don't know if Ingrid didn't share all of this, but, you know, on your first day, Ingrid Vanderbilt, you know, there's many things, people from inside of them, if that inspiration, uh, that faith inspiration leads them to do things that that can be very good. So the fact that he said yes was sort of a, a reflection of what uh, Jesuits, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Jesuits in a minute, Uh, Jesuits called magis, and that's the idea of magis or majesty, but it was something that St. Ignatius of Loyola talked about, that magis means when you have a choice, doing the thing that will bring the most good for the most people. So that's what magis is. You know, it's sort of striving for excellence. You know, you can envision it in different ways. Uh, Some people describe it as, uh, you know, which is better to give somebody a fish or teach them to fish? You know, so so just would be teaching them to fish. So what what's the greater good you can do for someone? And that sort of is a, a spiritual response. And in in this case, in the cat in the business school, Bush Business School is a Catholic school, so it was a a faith response. So I want to sort of back up and just give. Some ancient history now of, at least ancient in my lifetime, of how I saw this work in a way. And then, uh, then it'll bring it back to some of the principles underneath. So back in the late 1980s and early 1990s, I was working in the Soviet Union. And at that time, I was heading a, a joint venture NGO called uh, SINIM, which means trust. Uh, it was in Kazakhstan, the Kazakh Soviet Socialist Republic. Um, and uh, I was uh, doing various kinds of work. It was a faith-based NGO, but we were working with the government. I was actually on an organizing committee of the Kazakh Soviet Socialist Republic Central Committee. And you know, it was just an amazing time to be involved in the Soviet Union, we had a huge people to people exchange where um, we brought 300 Americans to the uh, middle of the Soviet Union without going through Moscow. And that sort of gave some ideas to the Kazakh leader, the Kazakh Soviet Socialist Republic, Nazarbayev, that maybe he could do things and they didn't all have to be coordinated by Moscow. Sort of long story short, uh, one day I was in the dacha compound. I lived in the dacha compound of the prime minister. My wife and our four kids, who uh, were with us, and one night our uh, this dacha compound up on the mountain above Alma Ata, uh, in an apple orchard. But it was snowy, so it was like a Dr. Chivago type beautiful snowy scene. And all these black uh, ZIL limousines, uh, Soviet-made limousines, came in with strange flags on, and they all took up the guest house in that compound where we had a dacha and the next morning they all you know with machine guns guards and all kinds of people uh security people we would never seen they got in their limos and went down the mountain and we had to wait till my the driver i had we had to wait till they went down and i was taking the kids to school kazakh schools so i got to my office building and and here i was at the tail end of their big motorcade and they all filed into my office building and went to the big round uh, conference table that I had and uh, sat around the table. And one of the guys had a big bushy white hair, you would know him as Boris Yeltsin, and all the other leaders of the Soviet republics. So they they all came and uh, they sat around the table and they signed the papers that ended the Soviet Union. And then, so that was right in my office building. And then the next week, uh, the now president of the new country, Nazarbayev, asked if I would help them take their, what was their Communist Party training school and turn it into the first Western business school in the country, and I think in the Soviet Union. And, and we did. And then uh, a few weeks later, uh, James Baker, the then Secretary of State of the US, came to Kazakhstan to sort of recognize these new countries and at the press conference Nazarbayev was asked will you give religious freedom to this new country and he looked around and he pointed to an orthodox russian orthodox priest and said yeah to the orthodox and then he looked to a muslim imam and said yes to the muslims and then he looked back at me in the back of the room and he said yes to the baptist too so i was baptist in those days and uh, he saw that connection he didn't see any division but he saw a connection between sort of the spirit of faith and and what we were doing there to work and try and help the country uh and business and what what the future was so you know it's sort of that that willingness to put your faith out there on the line uh was something that was recognized at that country well i mentioned you know i was baptist at the time i became catholic and uh and and that's actually influenced my thinking soon after that experience i became catholic one of the things that I exercised my religious freedom, and that was, I don't know if any of you are Catholic or if you've been to a Catholic Mass, but one of the parts of the Catholic Mass, it's a small part, but it's called the mystery of faith. So sort of in the middle of the the Mass, uh, we do the mystery of faith, and there's three different formulas for it. But Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. That's one of the mysteries of faith. But I just found it so refreshing that there's mystery, you know, that there's an acknowledgement of mystery, um, and that we don't know everything. And so there's something very attractive in that, that idea of mystery. And and I'm gonna talk about some of those principles that have influenced me so deeply even before I was Catholic from the Jesuits. You know, I have different kinds of connections with Jesuits, but one is um, one day at the Vatican, there for a meeting on religious freedom. The only event going on that day was we had a press conference at the Ministry of you know, the Italian Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And I, I was the second speaker after the minister and then the third speaker came up and he was speaking and I, I had to go to the bathroom so bad I after I was done my talk I went out and I met the CNN reporter who was there covering the event you know, John Allen and we were out in the hall talking and laughing and then I came back in and I sat down and then he sat down across the way and I saw his jaw drop as I was looking at him and all the reporters were over there covering our big event and their jaws chopped and then they all whooshed out of the room and then everybody this poor guy was up there the third speaker he was just talking he had no no idea what was going on and then pretty soon the chatter was pope benedict he resigned and so you know i was right in the vatican the day that that happened and then soon then soon after pope francis was elected And he's a Jesuit, so the Society of Jesus, started by the uh, Saint uh, Ignatius of Loyola. So if you you remember, I don't know if you remember, but when Pope Francis was elected, he went back. uh, You know, he now he's the Pope, and uh, he went back to his hotel room and he paid his bill uh, himself. You know, he he didn't because people could do that for him, but he just wanted to take care of that. And so a few weeks later, I was staying in his same hotel. Uh, where he went and paid that back. And just that idea, and if you follow Pope Francis of being concerned for the poor, being concerned for our planet, being concerned for health and well-being of all, you know, there's where does that come from? Another person, famous person from a Jesuit background, though he's not a practicing Catholic right now, is uh, Anthony Fauci, the, the doctor who has been leading the response uh to the coronavirus in the United States who's inspired you know, confidence when the people haven't had a lot uh he credits his his whole educational and and philosophical background to the Jesuits um so so what are the Jesuits and and I, I think it's if you haven't uh, learned about them I'm I'll suggest one book I'll hold it up here and the camera will pick it up is that backwards It says, uh, Heroic Leadership by Chris Lowney, uh, Heroic Leadership. And he talks about the best practices from a 450-year-old company that changed the world. And when he says the company, he means it's the Jesuits. And uh, if you don't know much about the Jesuits, in the United States, some of our leading universities were founded by Jesuits, Georgetown University, Boston College, St. Louis University, all are Jesuit. And in fact, if you Google Jesuit universities, you can go down the list of countries and it's easier to pick out which countries don't have a Jesuit university than the ones that do. So they were the ones that really spread modern education around the world. And there, there's not that many Jesuits. I think today there's 10,000 of them. You know, they, There were never that many Jesuits. They take 12 years to be trained and they focus on, on leadership and character development. And uh, this book, Heroic Leadership, he goes through and says that's, you know, that's really the core of what makes a good leader. And Chris Lowney was a a partner at one of the big accounting firms. Now he's the head of a a large health system in the United States with 150,000 employees. So, you know, he applies these to business. So I just want to go through sort of the principles that are underneath the thinking that guides me, and the thinking that guides people like Pope Francis, the thinking that has guided doctors like Anthony Fauci, or this uh, Chris Lowry, who wrote uh, Heroic Leadership. And there's nine of them. The first one is just the the idea that we're inspired by Jesus. So the the name of Jesuit comes from Society of Jesus. And a quote from Jesus says, he's anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. So it, I don't know if you've, you, maybe you have or haven't read the Bible, but I'm just going to read a, a few things. You know, that, that, you know, what an amazing challenge. And, and that's, that's sort of the, the inspiration for, for, for Jesuits and that motivates them. Is, that, is the founder, not the founder of the Jesuits, but the founder of the faith? Uh, and just thinking of you know liberty to the captive, sight to the blind, let the oppressed go free. Thinking of the turmoil uh, in my own country right now, that couldn't be more important. A second was a second characteristic is a commitment to doing justice. And another quote from Jesus, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you made me welcome. Lacking clothes, you clothed me sick and you visited me in prison and you came to see me. So he's describing that's, that's, what, our, that's what our mission is, uh, a faith that does justice. And this is the, what I think is one of the most important one in this day and age. And it's, in, it's important in human relationships, but also in business is an openness to the other, uh, openness to the other. And Kiri Marie, you were talking about that already. So there's a famous um, incident uh, in Jesus's life when a centurion, a Roman, a non-Jewish person, Jesus was Jew and these Romans were considered pagans. Uh, The centurion came up and pleaded with Jesus and Jesus said was astonished and said to those that were following him, in truth I tell you no one in Israel has as great a faith as this man. And so, you know, Jesus highlighted the other. And if you know the story of the Good Samaritan, if you don't know the story, you know the term. Oh, well, that comes from a story where, uh, a you know, a Jewish guy got attacked and robbed, left to die naked on the side of the road. And some religious leaders and and top legal leaders walked by and they walked on the other side and avoided him and then the samaritan who's again a foreigner with a foreign religion and from a foreign country came by picked him up cared for him and jesus was saying you know who's my somebody asked him who's my neighbor and he said he gave them that story and my neighbor was the samaritan the the person of a different faith a different belief so that openness to the other is, is important in innovation. It's important in team building. You know, if you don't have, if everybody, if you're alone, you only have your own ideas. And if you're only with people like yourself, then you, you're sort of reinforcing the same idea. So again, that, that emphasizes the idea of the importance of diversity. The f- fourth characteristic is reflectiveness. And um, a modern term for that is Mindfulness. And there's many stories, you know, that we that we have about Jesus and that. Uh, and this is one from the book of Luke. Now it happened in those days. Jesus went on to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. When day came, he summoned his disciples and picked out the twelve picked out twelve of them. He called them the apostles. So in that you know, most momentous decision of who's gonna be his leadership, he had he had spent time in you could say mindfulness, in prayer, in reflectiveness. And that's probably one of the most important characteristics of any leader is having that time to reflect, to think. One of, I'll just give an example of how that's worked in my own life this past two months. Uh, As COVID-19 shut down things, uh, I mentioned one of the things that came about were these Fortune 500 monthly calls that we're doing that we've done with American Airlines, uh, previous month it was with American Express. Before that it was with Intel. Next month will be with Salesforce. Well, as we started that, I, I just you know my habit. I get up in the morning and I'll read some scripture and I'll pray and and then I do some something called the examine, where we reflect on the previous day and ask God, you know, just what 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 am I grateful for? What did I learn? What were the experiences? What spoke to my heart? And the idea came, well, why don't I just collect these people and, and get their testimony of why faith, their spirituality matters to them and work, and make a book. So I, it was just out of this you know, reflective prayer moment, and I started reaching out to people. I now have 60 essays from uh, everybody, from CEOs, generals in the army, people in all these Fortune 500 companies, Pilots, you know uh, all talking about why it's important to bring their whole self faith and all to work and So that you know, these kind of uh, you know, I, I think this could really be Something that changes the discussion and it's not you know, it's not just Christian. It's not Catholic It's you know, evangelical Mormon Catholic, but then it's also Muslim Jewish Hindu Buddhist Jain Sikh Uh, If you haven't heard of some of those religions and including secular uh, secular people bringing their faith and belief. So, you know, that kind of reflectiveness is really important for the next big thing. So the last characteristics I'll mention are care for the individual, and that's a quote from Jesus. I give you a new commandment, love one another, you must love one another just as I have loved you. The next characteristic is uh, encouraging excellence, and I've already mentioned that, magis, what's higher. And and just as an example of sort of the higher standard that the faith I follow, sets and many faiths do. There's a story, Jesus went up to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how often must I forgive my brother if he wrongs me? Jesus answered, not seven, I tell you, but 77 times. So it's, you know, you know to forgive somebody once or twice, all right, I've done that. But seven times, that was considered the max. But 77 times, you know, that's huge. So it's, it's like, you know, you're going for, you're going for perfection. You know, there's another quote, you must be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. So it's that high standard, you know, not mediocrity isn't, isn't good enough. Uh, the seventh characteristic is creative community of work. Uh, there's a, a, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. Uh, the idea that, you know, alone is just not how we should be working. Uh, the next is a worldwide context characteristic eight so a global vision not just uh you know, I've, you know we've heard think global act local you know or you know it's so I, I think that's important and um jesus said many will come from the east and west and sit down with abraham and isaac and jacob jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven so it's a you know it casts that global view and then the last one uh, that i'll end with is um, the one I, that's the most i think inspiring to me it's finding god in all things Uh, so you know there's i'll just mention two points on that in in the book of genesis you know the the story of creation god said saw all that he made and indeed it was very good so beginning with with a point of view that the world that we live in the people we know and i'll get into that in the next quote jesus said can you not buy Uh, Two sparrows for a penny back in the day and not one falls to the ground without your father in heaven, knowing why every hair on your head has been counted. So there's no need to be afraid you're worth more than many sparrows. So whether it's in the hair of our head or the sparrow outside uh, or the creation around us that that we can find god in all things and so when when we think of that you know imagine just this horrible scene uh, that we saw uh, with george floyd and the and the police officer killing him right on video um it's just unimaginable so if you see god in all things you can't do that you can't do that kind of thing if you see god in all things you there's so many bad things you won't do, but there's, there's also so many good things that you do do. And uh, again, just ending with, uh, I mentioned Anthony Fauci, who's lead center for the infectious disease initiative in the U.S. The head of the um, National Institutes of Health is um, Francis Collins. And he's a very devout believer. He's the one that, uh, that mapped uh, DNA. And he discovered the gnome sequence. And he did that because, and you can read some of what he's written, because he saw God in all things. And he he discovered that pattern. I'll end there. I think I, I probably used up my time, but maybe was we'll have some you. that was
2: awesome, Brian. I love it. And I love, thank you so much. Like, I love how you know, here we are having conversation that I know here in Australia, it is not normal uh, to talk in leadership, in the workplace leadership, in companies and businesses to be talking about faith. And yet in many of our cases, it's a huge part of our makeup and it helps to make who we are and what we're about in the world. Um, And I think that's the The thing that I, I love how you've already had these conversations that you've started this conversation of, you know, how you're bringing lots of different faiths into the place that it's okay to be at the table and it's not just okay, it's actually adding value. And I think that was the powerful thing that I really took from, of course, all those, those um, principles, absolutely phenomenal. But I think if we don't have you in the house, if we don't have you at the table, we don't get these amazing little droplets of wisdom and this perspective that you bring because you come from that. How do we narrow that gap from, it is so powerful to have that at the table, the different distinctions that us as humans can bring to the table. How can we narrow that gap from, that is just so foreign to us, to start going, actually, it's okay. And in fact, it's better than okay. It's an advantage.
0: Well, I, one thing that as I put this book together, I now have 60 essays. And it's amazing to see somebody, for instance, who grew up as a Muslim girl in Tennessee. So if you're familiar with America, Tennessee's the South. And um, um, you know, it's the Bible Belt, and mostly white people and, and the blacks that were there maybe have move north so it's at least in the town she grew up in but her testimony is just so beautiful uh her father and and this is it this is the answer to your question mm. is to hear people you know to let them and she's a top con- business consultant finance consultant in a in a large law firm and but she she said her father almost died and uh, when she was a young girl and they were the only muslim family in the town and the churches in the town all started to pray for her father and uh, and she was praying and miraculously he got healed. And so from, you know, you hear a lot about oh, tensions between, you know, the white um, yeah. supremacists, you know, from places like in the South, but you don't hear that. And so I think that, so she has nothing but a beautiful story of of acceptance of people you know joining together to support one another mm. so i think what what's often missing is opening that door to authentic authentic discussion so like in my presentation i tried to be as authentic as i could about what's important to me I so i didn't that. hide mm. you know i didn't you know I, I went ahead and just quoted jesus you know i, I could That's do
2: that who you are and about mm-hmm.
0: but but uh for her you know she'll quote the quran and i think I think that there takes a level, you know, we have to let each other be our authentic selves and then these kind of discussions can happen. So, so I think we're often afraid of being preached at. And, you know, certainly there's a lot of people in religion that take sort of a holier than now attitude that, you know, uh, you know, I sort of know, I know the answer and, and, um, and, they, and I'm going to, you know, you know, you don't. Um, so I think that that, puts people off, but I think this different approach of being fully authentic and, mm. and letting people, others be that same way can break down so many barriers.
2: Yeah, so how can we do that better in the workplace? Like create those opportunities?
0: Well, one. Uh, so next week, uh, American Airlines that I mentioned, mm. one of the things they do regularly is have something they call Abraham's tent. And then they invite for in the workplace, you know for those that work in the uh, american airlines corporate uh they'll invite a, a muslim speaker a christian speaker and a jewish speaker so abraham mm-hmm. the all three abrahamic faiths uh to come and talk about an issue so next week their abraham's tent uh is on social justice mm-hmm. so then you'll have a muslim a christian and a, a jewish religious leader or might be just one of the employees talk about what social justice means from their respective faiths. So I think it's, that's just an example. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I think it's important that these things come about organically from the employees and not something that the CEO says, okay, I, I'd like this to happen. <laughs> because it's, uh, if it's not coming up naturally from the interests and concerns of people who are colleagues, then it feels imposed and it's just another program. So then what makes that possible are these employee resource groups that the companies, most of the large corporations have them. Most companies have them for like women or race or maybe sexual Mm -hmm. orientation, things like that. But a growing number are having them either uh, they'll have an interfaith group where everybody sort of coordinates or they'll have – faith-specific groups that have their own programs. But both sort of work. Wow. They generally work.
2: Powerful. David, I know you have a question, and I know that you might have to pop out, so I want to put you on. Do you want to ask your question?
3: Sure. I had a, I had a couple. I just wanted to <laughs> – one of them was acknowledging mm-hmm. the insight of, you know, invoking Jesus. Like I, I, I watched uh, a show on Doug Coe.
0: Did you know Doug? It looked like he lived in the same town. Yeah, I, I can you. I, yeah. Anyway, I was just going to say he invoked Jesus as a powerful tool to broker peace deals with you know dictators and controversial leaders that would normally never consider meeting. And it sounds like that's. And was it Magus the 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 term that you used that, that has yeah when uh, it magic magic M A G M A G I S. MAGIS. Okay, I tried to look it up because I had never heard it used. I thought it was M A G U S.
3: Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, so, uh, that was all. I just wanted to know if that yeah, that's
2: was. Uh, right. That's awesome. Thank you. What's that? No, that was great. Thank you. Um, and Jane, you had a question or two. Actually, just one. Everybody
4: hear me? I had a um, lost a number of years ago, lost my granddaughter. At that point, I started on understanding. You know, to to find reason, which I think that's a point in life where a lot of people do that. You know, where you you think that you have control and you have power until something like that happens, and you realize how much that you truly do not. You know, you think that you can protect your family and you think you can do all these things, and you, you realize your limitation. So at that point, I kind of been searching and looked at a few different things. And by no means am I any expert, just a normal person. <laughs> you know, all of these you have many, uh, accolades and things, books that you've written. I don't fall into that kind of at all. But for me, my question was, do you feel that the soul or the essence of a person is non-denominational and non-racial? Or do you feel that it's every denomination and every race? And in that essence, it's the commonality between all of us. It's the joining point, it's the beginning, it's the oneness. And my belief is that once we all learn to accept that about each other, that it's not the outer covering, it's the essence that's inside. And if it's in every one of us, and that's the point that we're going to join the universal consciousness and all work together, you know, to 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 be a better race, to be a better people, and to lift each other up. So I guess that's my question.
0: Yeah. Well, just uh, I I alluded to the idea of the body and and mind. So body, mind, or body. So one of the, at least in Catholic thought, that I that speaks to me is that our mind and our soul and our spirit, that's a unified thing. You know, it's not like, the, it's often you hear a formula, body, mind, and spirit, as if our spirit is something that floats away and our mind, you know, our mind is not connect So I think that, that that's just the common element of who humans are. You know, we've got our physical being and then we've got this mental, spiritual, soul side to us. And so I think that's what makes us human. And so what you say, I I think is right, that that spiritual side that each of us has is, is a common gift, a common experience that we have. You know, and and so I, as I see relating to people, that the the other thing that I see that the body and and spirit are connected. So that that also is why it's important. Like we began with that beautiful story from Fiji and the diabetes, taking care of the diabetes, is that you know what, uh, at least in Catholic thought and and other kinds of thought that there will be a resurrection of the dead in the, in the end days. And and that means our body comes back. And so sort of there's something from our current body that continues. Um, it's not just we evaporate and become spiritual. Uh, that might be too theological, but.
2: I just but so I I, but come I think back, that's a body. That's
0: all. I, well, I think we all come back our most glorified self. I think that's <laughs> the I
2: idea. <laughs> <laughs> I might put my. Yeah, up-
0: but, I, but I think. But I think that that's why how we treat our how we treat other people and take care of them is also a spiritual activity. It's not separate from it.
2: Does anyone else um have a question for Brian? Because I think this is a really interesting topic where we don't often have this opportunity. I think Violet, you were saying i oh I'd love to put you on at least um while we're waiting to see if anyone else has a question, but you said that was it your son? Yeah, tell us
3: about that. Well, because the religious freedom, um, they're they're looking at changing the act or bringing in some laws here in Australia that's going to restrict our religious freedom. Mm. Um, So my son's very active in, um, you know, with politicians and senators and, you know, trying to, you know, reason, like, what's this about? And, um, yeah, so I'm just wondering how is that in America? How's that going in America? the the religious freedom um, issues, because what I found with Brian's talk Mm. was, and I'm really interested in the book, and my son will be very interested in the book as well, because he was um, a a captain of his school, uh, it was the King's school, it's a very prominent school here in Sydney. And um, and he was a leader, he was a captain in the prep school, and he was uh, like a house leader in, you know, and captain of orchestra and whatever, but he's got the leadership, in him but and he wants to sort of carry that through with his life and um so he's really stepped up to the mark with you know issues that we've got here in australia um around religious freedom at the moment and the other thing that he's very active on is you know your choice to speak up it doesn't matter you know what faith what religion what you know what color you are you know that you should not be censored and that everyone needs to have a voice in this world. So I'm really interested, Brian, in what, uh, how's it going? The religious freedom debate in America, and if there is one. I mean, apart from obviously this the racial tension that's there at the moment. There's a big divide. Yeah. Even though, you know, what I find with the not, I the black community is they're all they're they're very faith-driven as well. So what's bringing this issue, you know, to the surface? You've got the, the patriots who are very religious as well, and you've got the blacks who are very that. Well, we all believe in the same thing, yet there's this massive tension. Yeah. But the, the question here for me for, for today is the religious freedom. Is there any issues over there in America around that?
0: Yeah, it's, it's always an ongoing, huge issue in the US because for two reasons. One is that the state is always looking to regulate things so it might be zoning we don't want to let a church or a mosque or a synagogue or temple build here because they're tax-free and we don't get tax revenue if they build here we'd rather have a liquor store there we'll we'll get lots of income so they're all those kind of issues are always ongoing but the, the harder issues in the US are when religion and politics get connected up together. And then, then things take a partisan divide. Um, so, so certain issues uh, like abortion um, would be, so people who are pro-life, they, they don't want to have legal abortion, tend to line up on one political party, the Republicans, And then that tends to line up with certain religious points of view and then those who are pro-choice tend to line up on the democrats and that has a more liberal religious point of view and then it seems like they're fighting over religious freedom and and the fights are often overlaid with politics so that's Mm -hmm. that's what i find is the the often the big challenge in the united states is how to uh, advance a, a, a free and open society that's also a generous <laughs> and uh, compassionate society. So that to me is one of the biggest challenges for religious freedom is how do you protect people's different deeply held beliefs, but at the same time be compassionate to others who have a different belief mm-hmm. and and give them freedom as well. So. So I think it will always be a tension in, in a society like America. But I, I'm, I'm very encouraged by this business approach because businesses have found a way to uh, solve a number of issues. And the LGBT issue is a huge one in America. And businesses, whether you're pro-gay pro marriage or anti-gay marriage, um, nobody's for discriminating against people based on their sexual orientation. Uh, in housing or things like that, so or jobs. So uh, businesses have really helped to um, bring sort of more peace on that issue. So I'm hopeful on this religious side and on the racial side, uh, businesses can step up, and, and many are Many are already doing that.
2: Yeah, so beautiful. I love what Jane says. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could have one building where all religious religions can practice? That would be an interesting concept, wouldn't it? and uh earl says how do you navigate the growing cultural tension between the call for greater diversity and inclusion and silencing intolerance and pre- prejudice against religion do you want to jump on and ask that question is that how you say i oh, sorry earl is, is that how you say your <laughs> name
1: it is earl hold on okay let me cool see what...
2: sorry i wasn't sure
1: yeah there i am huh. perfect there I was, beside myself. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, it, it seems to me you can't have it both ways. So on the one side. It's, you know show up with authentic spirituality bring all
2: self to work and all the rest of it we need diversity we need inclusion we need tolerance and respect
1: and oh you're religious you know and all of a sudden it's this huge backlash of prejudice intolerance you're not welcome you know if you speak up you're arresting somebody. that kind of thing and I'm not saying this from any particular point of view I'm just saying this this is across the country regardless of what your faith is how, how does the culture do we do we navigate that?
0: well i I think one of the the, the things that's missing is the, in polling most people don't if you ask them how many people of this other characteristic do you know, and they don't know many if any so um and one of the problems with social media is that once you start clicking on things, you just get keep getting fed more of the same thing. It's always an echo chamber. So one of the ways to break that cycle down is to have like this Abraham's tent event that I mentioned with American Airlines, uh, have more encounters where you're actually meeting those people that are so intolerant and hear why they are so intolerant. Because sometimes they're being intolerant because they're feeling like they're not being de- uh, tolerated. So, I, I mean, other people have said this, but the reason that Donald Trump got elected was because you know the country had moved so far in sort of a liberal direction, <laughs> and that many people, the poor whites, who who are there, there's more poor white people than there are poor black people just in sheer numbers, just felt disenfranchised, and so that was a response. So I think if we're not able to meet and get to know the other then you always think oh all white people are this and all black people are that and all muslims are this and all you know evangelicals are that and and that's not true Mm -hmm. so i i think we need to have more more dialogue uh even if it's hard but hard is is important
2: so juliet says i thought bahai thank you sorry thank you um i thought Bahai faith supports all world religions that was her question?
0: Oh, yeah. The Baha'i faith is very inclusive in that way. So that would be one of their tenants. That would be theirs. There's, all, there's also a beautiful Hindu temple, in a university in India called MIT University, but it's not the same as MIT in America. But they have a peace dome, and then they have all the prophets from the different faiths and and they throw in Albert Einstein there too so so there there are there are movements but i'm not sure that religions heading that direction very fast you know where religions are coming together but i think that i think that we uh, people who are you know acting from a faith perspective uh need to be reaching out more so yeah, you know i i think that's going on more
2: yeah. So, and last question, um, Joe, you've got a question.
0: Yeah. You know, I think one of the, there, there are a lot of people in this planet that are actually like anti-religion and it's really actually understandable to me because there's a lot of false religion on the earth. What would you say like to those conversations about how do you discern between, you know, real, real religion versus false religion? <laughs> well, I, I think that if I can quote Jesus again, you know, they ask him what are the two most, important things and he said uh, love God and love your neighbor and Mm -hmm. so I I think that if we don't that second one is really a good litmus test you know if people are characterized by love and compassion for their neighbor and then I mean Jesus even was even more radical he wanted us to love our enemies so I, I I think that apply that those concepts transfer to every other faith and it's a good test of whether somebody's genuinely uh, faithful is if, if they are characterized by love of the other. I say that God is real and God is pure love, but as fan club, it can be a little bit weird sometimes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> ah, That's a good way to say it. And I love the litmus. I think that's a really good way to say it. That's a good lit, litmus test. Hey, um, actually, it's not the last one because... I don't. It's not a question, but I would love Denise. Um, you said a statement, and I'd love you to come on and just say that one. I think it's good.
5: I Carrie. what what I what I wrote. Yeah. Is that um, yeah? One I, one of the problems that I see is that people associate or, or think that religious means that people are going to act in a manner that um, is consistent with being decent human being. That they assume that because someone ascribes to a, a religious uh, group, that that means all of us have uh, a shared sense of values. And um, someone was asking about what we see in, in the United States today. Um, and I, I think that's a good example of that. Um, and, and Brian mentioned the, how the current uh, U.S. president got elected, uh, it wasn't, wasn't really an issue of are we a, Pressing people's rights to to serve in any way that they wish, I think um, that was you know an, an appeal to um, to to find some way to you know I, I think it, it's uh, someone else just mentioned it and, and it was uh, Joe and he said you know the the gods about love and compassion and the the people who are his fan club can can be really weird and I think that's that's a big challenge I think that's sort of what's uh, what causes a lot of the problems that we are seeing now in with the the combination of the way that combination of um people who want to utilize the the, the religious base for for other purposes i think that's that's causing a lot of uh a lot of problems
2: Mm, interesting.
6: Yeah, I add something to that? Oh, humor. my
2: gosh. And then out of nowhere, there's this booming voice, Earl, this other Earl. Um, yeah, I'm here. Summer,
6: dude? I'm driving, which is why I don't have my Okay, camera. we'll let
2: you off. But you're in on the conversation. And, yes, you may yes, add very much so. close it up here.
6: Thank you. And I very much appreciate the scope of the conversation mm. and the comments that have been made. And so I'll just speak from my own experience as a deeply spiritual man. And I say spiritual in context to this conversation. I find that in my rearing, I have tried everything. My objective was to learn as much as I could about being faithful as I could. So I studied Wicca, I studied everything uh, Islam, Catholicism, both the, the new and the old, uh, both the orthodox and the current. And I I came to understand one thing. When I focused on the similarity between all of the variant religions, quote unquote, as we call them religions, is that every single one that spoke in terms of that in order to be the best of any given religion, is that I have to see myself as a vessel for receiving love and giving love then we're all in the same boat. So I stopped talking about religion and I began a journey to understand what message am I embracing? And I did in fact land on the message of Jesus Christ. And the reason for that is that Jesus was not a Christian. <laughs> Jesus simply said, love one another uh, and be obedient to the Father. And here's how you do that. And, and when you strip away the dogma and the religiosity and the ritual It is distilled down to something that is so easy to embrace. And I've been in the room with gangsters. I've been in the room with with motorcycle gangs. I've been in the room with people that think that because I have a, a content of melanin in my skin that I don't deserve to breathe their air. But we can all stop and talk about, tell me how you love your child and what that love looks like. And tell me how you can take that love for your child and infect it with hate for another child because of a chemical that no one controls. And you're thinking that it's difference when it's really just distinction. So I'm always listening with an open ear and an open heart to uh, listening for not that which separates us by our differences, which I experience religion, quote unquote, as often doing. What I'm listening for, what is that that distinction that says, this is how I love. And I do that, and I love that, and I I express, forgive me, I express that love within the canopy of this uh, religion. But still, it's centered in love. Can you tell me, good sir, in your conversation in in Abraham's tent, which I think is excellent, was there a conversation about how we can engage in the loving of one another, versus how do we ease the tension by tolerating our differences
0: yeah that is the i would say that's the theme in all these discussions that i've been having in the within the companies it's not tolerance is a bad word (laughs) so you know they've sort of pegged that word as the as what we don't want to aim for but it's appreciation and love. Sometimes love is not always the word. You know, people can even under- mm-hmm. misunderstand the word love because it's like, yes. well, I'm, I'm going to love you. But <laughs> I don't have to like you, but I love you. Things like that. But um, right. but you're right. I mean, true. I've really sensed that there's a commitment to loving one another. Now, of course, everybody is full short of what they hope to sure. do. But, but that, that's the characteristic, not tolerance.
6: Yes and so therefore allowance and acceptance love allowance acceptance and with that i have found that i can be in front of anyone of any mindset and uh, my focus is on love allowance and acceptance because i can disallow without judgment i cannot accept without judgment and still love because love is the action that is spoken to in every word of the gospel. Every single thing that the Lord says says to us is an action. And that's the only way that we can be measured.
2: Awesome. My thoughts. All right. We have to wrap this up. But before we wrap this up, I have to ask the question, what is the one thing you're going to do, Brian, to shift the dial by 1%? What's your one thing?
0: Well, my one thing is going to turn these 60 or more essays into to a book and get it out to the
4: world
2: oh that is so good and do you have a number that you you go then i know a number of countries or like what what is that when you say world what does that look like
0: um so everybody that's writing uh, in this so like one of the writers is a woman by the name of kathy ireland who has a multi-billion dollar company called at kathy ireland worldwide so when i say get it out to the world uh, really, my hope for the book is that each person who's contributed to the book will see this as a as a way to get their own message of mm-hmm. love and of tolerance of acceptance, you know, of these these values out to the world. So it's uh, it's not just what it's not what I'm doing. It's creating a resource that it becomes useful to many others to share. So if I just try to do one thing that I can do then that's pretty limited
2: I don't know I think when we do one thing what happens is it starts us moving and shifting in the right thing because here's the thing if you do your 1% Denise does her 1% Violet does her 1% Jotham does his 1% Nikhil does his Jonathan Bates does his 1% Earl does his 1% how are we actually shifting and Joe sorry Joe yes you do your 1% How are we shifting that? We're shifting it, right? Because we're doing our 1%. So that's where I think we never limit the fact that our one action, our one thing that we're doing is actually bringing and being the change. And I think that, you know, thank you so much for what you've added here. How, how has it been for you to, I, I thank you for trusting me coming into this environment because, you know, like it's, it's not necessarily the normal, how has it been for you to be a part of this forum?
4: Well,
0: especially knowing that Tasmania is included in, the, in this, <laughs> I feel right at home. <laughs> I love that. For those that weren't on when we discussed, uh, Michelle is calling in for Tasmania and yeah. uh, so it's it's just nice to be part of something global and but also have some familiar touch points. So
2: no, I thank,
0: no. thank you so much for including me.
2: Well, thank you for being a part of our tribe and we really appreciate you.
1: Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, leave awesome ratings and reviews. Our hope is that this product creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next and a curiosity for the need to be a part of the change. To make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards if you want to further your journey with us join us at our next global human intelligence forum or apply to our next leaders movement parlay both links are in the show notes we appreciate you help us to build a tribe and make humanity as stakeholders to achieve this together recommend this podcast to leaders innovators pioneers future thinkers and movement changers. big love see you on the next global human intelligence podcast